Welcome to the Christian Politics Podcast, brought to you by the For Youth, By Youth Productions. This podcast is designed to discuss modern issues through the lens of the Bible. Hello and welcome to the Christian Politics Podcast. I'm Bryson Davis here with the world's greatest, uh, the one and only James Safer is here with us as always. And uh, we're excited. we got a good show lined up for you today. you got a lot of great uh, topics and things to talk about. Um, but first, we're going to go to James, ask him, you know, how things have been going. How you been doing, James? I'm good. Well, Bryson, how, when do we ever not put out a good show? Um, that has not happened okay. yet, I don't think. All, all right. So, uh, I'm right. just joking. Hey, I appreciate yeah. all of our listeners. Um, I know you don't have to listen to us. You don't have to tune into our shows. But we do count it a privilege and an honor that you take time out of your day to listen to our content. Uh, if we could make people listen to it, we would. But unfortunately, we can't. And so uh, it's an honor that you choose to do that. Uh, but my day's been great. My week's been great. We just welcomed our newborn three weeks ago. And uh, four weeks on, he'll be a, four weeks when this show airs. And uh, so it's exciting in our household. And our kids are loving him. They're enjoying the time with him. Um, just got back from spring break. We got a little getaway to the beach, which was a great little time to reflect and refresh our souls and uh, so it was very much needed for our family. Uh, so, yeah, we've been doing some great things um, in our life and in our ministry here. Uh, but Bryson, what's some things with our statistics with our politics podcast right now? How well, is that working out? I was just looking that up, and we're at 2.2 thousand downloads in total. So awesome. that's really interesting. And awesome. I, I'm looking at this from my phone, and, and usually when you look at it from the computer, you can see like a more like a detailed um, of our analytics. But there was one day where I believe we had 200 and we reached, uh, no, let's see, 230 total plays. In one day. In one day. That's Actually, awesome. The highest we have is 256. Now, this is not for just one episode, but this is, you know, episodes combined of how many people have listened to it in one day, which is really incredible. Uh, I find that really interesting. But um, our introduction episode remains the top among among those, which is interesting, I guess. Um, that's when... I, I guess we were rookies at the uh, at the podcast. Yeah, it was a rough show. Yeah, that, that was rough, <laughs> and everybody likes to listen to that. I guess they like to go back and start from the beginning. But um, that's what I do when I find a new podcast. Right. I go back to the very beginning and I listen to the one I liked, and then I try to catch up on all of them. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's yeah, been good. good. So yeah. Uh, well, we got a couple things in our uh, weekly roundup, our uh, politics roundup, and so let's jump into that. <laughs> All right, well, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is being paused by the CDC for a period of time after issues with blood clots. Uh, the vaccine has similarities to the AstraZeneca vaccine, which was paused in Europe just a few weeks ago due to issues, uh, the same issues uh, practically with blood clots, clots um, on a much larger scale, and I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people out of the um, millions that have got it over there. Um, the interesting part, or the part that I found interesting is that only six people out of seven million people who have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, have had issues with blood clots. So this is just a small, not even 1%, uh, six out of seven million um, of people that have um, got this uh, issue. And now with the similarities to the, between the two vaccines, you, it makes you wonder if this is almost, you know, the cancellation of this vaccine, if, if there could be a problem on a much larger scale that we're not, uh, that we don't know about, 
or we're not aware of uh, because this is just six out of seven million people wouldn't necessarily, you know, I don't think that that would make much of a difference uh, if this was just a normal normal vaccine because I'm sure people have had uh, side effects and issues from, uh, say, getting a flu shot or things like that. So yeah. what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, there's got to be a more of a larger scale of this. It can't just be the blood clots. And I have heard some some reports saying that it was uh, people that were just getting really, really sick, um, having bad side effects. But, you know, we've had that from Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have got, I think Moderna is the one that's most popular as far as people not feeling well afterwards. Um, you know, they uh, maybe run a temperature, maybe uh, have a headache, uh, you know, the same things like that that may happen. Uh, but it only lasts a couple of days where I think the Johnson & Johnson, it lasts longer and so they're just trying to figure that out. And, you know, it is a one-shot vaccine. I was about to say it's only one the, shot, and it's, you know, it's got everything in one shot. It's only yeah. got a 60%. Um, yeah, it's not quite as effective. It's, it's not as effective. Yeah. Um, so. So, so we've got some things there. Um, you know, I from the beginning, me personally, the Johnson Johnson wasn't – I like the one-shot thought, uh, but the the way they – derived this vaccine mm-hmm. uh was was not in my mind ethically sound and yeah. so i would not recommend it for my family uh now you as a human citizen you are more free to do whatever you want uh we can't tell you what you can and can't do uh it's your right if you even want to get the vaccine you're not no one is is restricting someone from or not getting it it's, it's completely Yet. up to you uh there are certain for instance my kids um, I, the doctors, they scald me every time I have a kid because my kids will get vaccines, but when they turn one, they want to give them the chicken pox vaccine. And I tell them, I will wait till they're two years old to give them their chicken pox vaccine. And they think I'm the most horrible person alive and they guilt me. And I tell them, no, it's my child. It's my responsibility as a parent to do what I see fit. I would rather them if they want to get the chicken pox from the ages of one and two to get it. But then at two, I'll give it to them. I just don't feel like that's a... They do these vaccine cocktails where they've got four, five, six vaccines at one time. Uh, and I just don't like that in, in a child to, to do that much. And I know there's people that do that all the time. That's just my preference. That's just what I choose to do. And so you are living in a free nation. You're welcome to do whatever you mm-hmm. see fit. Uh, and that's sort of what we what we choose to do. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at on that. Um uh, we've got this next headline, which is a which is a very interesting one. Um, our Mr. Mayor Pete, uh, boot, I, I struggle with his last name. Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. And I know I didn't spell time. that right. We're looking on the screen here on the on the notes, and, and I know I spelled it wrong, but I had no clue how to spell it. I just sort of know how it sounds. Yeah. So, so Pete Buttigieg. He's he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and uh, he is Never now <laughs> he is now the. Um, transportation secretary for the United States of America. <laughs> and so he, is, he's, he's, he has this wonderful idea to begin taxing on the number of miles you drive as part of the, an unusual infrastructure plan. Uh, now, then why would we want to uh, begin to tax on the miles that we drive? Now, Bryson, why do you think that they would begin to tax. Well, let's, let's go back before we even ask that question. Uh, we get taxed right now on our gas tax. So there mm-hmm. is some great statistics here on our gas tax. Um, we have in North Carolina, where we record at, every gallon of gas that you pump into your vehicle, 
the government gets 36 cents off of that tax, off of that price. So right now, right down the road here at our local Exxon, the gas price is 269, and so 36 cents of that goes directly to the state government to help pay for roadways, to help pay for trash cleanup, to help pay for um, potholes that may happen. Uh, so the number one state in the union that has this is California. They're double what North Carolina is. They are at 62 cents a gallon. Um, and where Pete was at is uh, in Indiana, his is number five at 47 cents. Uh, and so right now with the gas, every, people, every person that pumps gas in their vehicle, which is the majority of the American in the, uh, in the world, uh, the government gets a percentage of that money. So, Bryson, why would we be initiating this type of, of mileage tax now? Well, you and I talked about this before the show, and, and it made a lot of sense to me um, you know, after we discussed it. But originally, I heard Pete Buttigieg was going to tax you on the amount of miles that you drive, and I instantly thought, what in the world is happening? You know, this is uh, going to be a horrible thing. And now, obviously, we have this gas tax. But the thing about this is that we were talking about is if um, if things are switched green, if the Green New Deal and everything else falls in place, and we have we no longer use gasoline for fuel for cars, um, how what what are we going to use as a tax? Um, or you can't really tax the. Uh, I guess you could maybe uh, uh, you could tax your use at a charging station or whatever. And they uh, do that. And they, they do. They, they have a small because, tax on that. Right, but you're not going to have that tax per gallon of gas, so the government's not going to be getting the funding from that. So they would have to tax you based on the miles that you drive, which I would feel like if they're taxing you based on the miles that you drive, it would be a very small amount, maybe like a few cents or something. You would hope. Um, you would hope. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays the same and, and you drive one mile and you're paying 50 cents in tax for that. Um, I would not be surprised. I mean, um, you know, that's the kind of – Things that the country that fought taxation and, and uh, you know, threw, we threw tea into the Boston Harbor against taxation, and now we're uh, falling to all kinds of uh, taxation. And California is the perfect example of um, the abuse of, of taxes. Um, th those people pay taxes for, for all kinds of things. I, uh, I was looking at, uh, you know, different things out there in California, and, and it's just ridiculous the amount of taxes and the, and the things that they have to pay. So, yes, it sounds crazy, but it does make sense if we're going to be uh, having charging stations or whatever, which is just a completely, complete ridiculous idea. Um, because I'm not, I'm not one that really likes to bring my vehicle up to the gas station, which is now a charging station, and sit there for an hour to let my Tesla charge. Sorry, it just doesn't seem very convenient to me. Well, these uh, these these quick charging stations for Tesla, uh, most of them can get almost a full charge within ten minutes. Oh, really? In a full, they're the quick charging stations. So, well, you pay more for it. Yeah. Uh, but if you know you're going to be at a restaurant, why not sit? You know, park well, and let it charge. And now that is and a so good idea. Paying. That's actually a really good idea. I've never even thought of that. Yeah. If you have charging stations located in like. Uh, an area where there's like like a shop like a shopping mall or, or like areas where you can uh, areas where you would go and spend spend a lot of time or like at restaurants and things like that. That's actually a good idea that I've never thought about. But I mean, I guess you could sit there and listen to two Eagles songs for five minutes and you'd be good. But I, um, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I just I think gasoline's good. I think I think um, electric cars. I know we're not talking about climate change. We already have, but 
I don't really think that's the answer, but I do think that cleaner fuel could be the answer um, and, and things like that. But we'll get into that another time. Yeah. Um, I want to move into our, to our last and, and our final point here. And uh, the former governor, Pat McCrory of North Carolina, has launched his race, um, his, his uh, candidacy for a GOP Senate seat uh, for, for the state of North Carolina. Uh, and that is just, um, I, I like that news. I, I listen to uh, Pat's radio show um, quite often. Him and Bo Thompson have a radio show down at WBT in Charlotte. Um, and I've reached out to Bo. Bo, if you're listening, we want to get you on the show. I've tried to talk to Bo. But um, I, I, found, I saw this this morning, and, you know, I couldn't think of anyone else um, that meets the requirements for, for the job and, and just just where he stands. You listen to his radio show for, for one day, and you immediately uh, can understand, you know, uh, who he is and, and where he comes from. And I think it would be a great thing uh, for him to be running in the Senate, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, do you know who he's running, what seat he's replacing? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I do know that Laura Trump is – uh, supposedly running for the Senate in North Carolina. Oh, so I don't necessarily think they'd be running against each other. Okay, but they would. I don't know be, if he was be taking on Tillis. Or, well, that's the thing. I feel like he would be taking on Tillis, and she would be taking Burr's seat because okay. Richard, Richard Burr. He's. I think know, he's, he's. He fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, I thought Richard Burr. This was going to be his last time. Uh, I believe. So. I believe it is. I, I think twenty twenty two. Yeah, and see, I think the Senate. Like, I'm pretty sure it alternates. Six right? years. Yeah. So yeah. So, um, and, and I was wondering too, like, I guess they vote on everybody at the same time, but for, for some reason I was thinking a while back that they voted, because this time we just voted and you just voted for Tillis. Tillis, right? yes. So, that, so he'll have six years in. Tillis will have, he'll have six, well, this year will be so five. So every two years five. we vote on a senator, but we never vote on two in the same year, right? No. no. Okay. So that made sense. That makes sense now, but uh, I was not aware of that yep. back then. But that's exciting news. Yeah, it's, it's great. Great news. Hear. It's good to hear. Uh, you know, some of these good candidates. I'm a big – I like McCrory as a governor. Uh, I think he made some uh, bold moves as a governor, which at the – I think he did at the wrong time and in the wrong way, uh, which caused him to get unseated by um, Cooper. And so uh, other things in, lo in local news, we don't want to um, not mention this, but our great um, Coach Roy – Cooper, not Cooper, Roy. King Roy. <laughs> not King Roy. Uh, coach <laughs> co uh, coach uh, Roy at oh, oh, I'm uh, sorry. UNC, retired. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, was named, you know, he, he was a great coach, very big um, supporter of the sport, and did a lot of great things at both Kentucky and at UNC, mm -hmm. and has been replaced by a really, really great guy. Um, he just had a press conference where he – Basically told everyone how he was a Christian, how he loved Jesus, and how Jesus was going to be the forefront of everything he did. And uh, I think it's a great asset to UNC and to Chapel Hill, and I'm excited to see uh, what we get um, in the future here. Yeah, so. I, I have every every year of my life, my, my family, um, it was Carolina basketball and nobody else. And you had to... Uh, we had to, you know, my, my grandmother, my great-grandmother was the biggest Carolina basketball fan that you could, you could ever, um, you would ever meet. Um, so I grew up watching, watching Roy and, and you know, see, seeing him and, and I've, I was able to go to, to a game and see him do, I call it the Roy shake, you know, he'd get yeah. down on his knees and he'd go like this oh, right Oh, yeah, here. oh, yeah. But, uh, but a lot of good memories watching, watching Roy coach, coach him to uh, some national championships and, and things like that. So it's sad to see him go, but I think the, uh, like you said, the the uh, the future of Carolina basketball, I think, is going to be bright. They've had a, a rough, you know, year or two, 
But um, but I think I think it'll be a good thing. I think it's going to be good. I couldn't think of anybody else uh, more required for the job that come comes out of UNC directly. Yeah. Uh, because I believe you know he he has done some things there. So that's exciting news. It's good news, it is. And, and I it think is. that'll be a good thing. All right. Well, let's get into our show today. That was our our pre-show, just to give you some headlines and some things. Today we're going to be talking about the future of two organizations. The first one is going to be our police and law enforcement. And the second one is going to be our Supreme Court. We've got two uh, recent things that have happened, and we want to discuss them in a good manner. And uh, so first off, we'll be talking about uh, this tragic shooting. This uh, was a, you know, the um, everything that was done with the, um, the media, with the mayor there. Um, he said that it was, a, it was an accident. This lady, um, and you can watch the video online. She was um, had a man, uh, it was a black gentleman, and she was handcuffing him. And in the process of her handcuffing him and putting him in the police car, um, he broke free and tried running. And she said, you need to stop, you need to stop. And she went, and she even said, taser, taser, taser. She was yelling taser. She went to grab her taser and made a human error, had a human mistake, grabbed her gun instead and shot one bullet and killed the man, uh, and she thought she was shooting her taser, and you can hear the afterwards her saying, oh, no, like she knew she made a mistake. Now, should we prosecute her to the fullest extent? 100%. She took a human's life. Um, was this an involuntary manslaughter? I believe it was. Uh, but the, the tragic thing here was the city council, the city manager, uh, which is in charge of the hiring and firing and all this, he said... This is going to, we will do a due process of law. We will go through the, the, the right avenues of this police officer, through a full investigation. And when he walked out, he got fired because he would not say that she was going to get fired. And so the, the deputy city manager took over uh, just a horrible situation here because uh, we've seen rioting happen. We've seen... Uh, backlash from the media, you know, back three years ago when um, a police shooting would happen, the, the media immediately said Donald Trump was the reason this happened, okay? Because it's the president that's there is the reason it happened is this shooting because Joe Biden is the president. Uh, I'm just asking a legitimate question here because mm -hmm. uh, this is the same standard here. White officer killed a black person. Uh, it's tragic. I'm not trying to, to demean any of it, but uh, three years ago it was Donald Trump's fault. Is it Biden's fault now? Bryson, what's your thoughts? Yeah, um, no, it's not Biden's fault, just like it wasn't Donald Trump's fault uh, back then. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that should solve everybody's problems. But it was convenient at the time to blame it on Donald Trump. But when you still have the same issues going on today, um, you know, that that's going to happen and you're not going to hear anything about Biden. I want to ask you something. Okay. Have you ever heard of Chad Walker? Do you know who Chad Walker is? I've not heard that name. Chad Walker was a Texas state trooper who was tragically killed just a few days ago, but I'm sure you haven't heard his name just like you have heard this gentleman's name that we're talking about now. Um, 97 police officers, uh, state troopers and police officers, have been shot and killed in the line of duty um, via traffic stops and, and things like that um, in the year of 21 so, 2021 so far. And you haven't heard any of their names. Mm -mm. Um, that is really a problem. Um, when you, you're, They're establishing this issue with the police that doesn't belong the, to the police. Um, the issue is not with the police. 
Now, with this situation, this is a very interesting situation. It's much different. While people may say it's similar to George Floyd, it's not. No. It's a, it's a yes, and a, you know, a man was killed. Anytime a, a, anyone is killed, it's a tragic situation. Um, just like the thousands that they're murdering with their uh, murderous abortion laws. Um, but, see, they don't recognize that as murder, just, just like they do this. But the thing is, a man was killed, and that's tragic. The, the thing is, is, I do believe that this was a mistake. I don't believe that the woman said, this is a black man, I'm a racist, I'm going to shoot him and kill him. Yeah. I don't think that's what goes through her head. Mm-hmm. You can hit, watch the video. You can, it's been released. You can go find it everywhere. Um, you can hear the remorse. You can you can hear her fear yeah. as he's and you got to remember these are people after ninety seven police officers have already been shot and killed. If I'm a police officer, I would and at a traffic stop where someone is resisting arrest, immediately I would be you know I would become fearful personally. And I'm not saying I'd be fearful to the point I would just shoot them because they're trying to resist arrest because I don't think that's what you do. No. Um, but she was reaching for a taser, said multiple times, "I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you." And then she shot him. Now, I think that it. This is where it comes in, where maybe the defunding and, and getting rid of the police is not a problem solver. But if you've got police officers, uh, she mistake mistook her um, taser for her gun, or her gun for her taser. Um, and you know this. This is where okay, maybe we should fund the police more. And provide more training. I think yeah. lack of training is is really the the problem. It's here. not. Yeah, it has nothing to do with with uh, a race issue. It's not uh, white men are killed by police all the time. <laughs> yeah, and um, I've got a statistic here from the Daily Wire. I want to read a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to put this study in our show notes. If you want a good read, it's 54 pages. I encourage you to go and read it. If you've got a question on this, this was a Harvard study done by Roland Fryer study. Uh, and it says this, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to summarize it really in one statement. It is statistically unlikely for a black person to be intentionally killed by a police officer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is that is the gist of this study. Uh, so if you want to go through and read that, you can. Uh, but Mash, Matt Walsh over at uh, the Daily Wire Media, he says that in from January 2020 to March of 2021, there have been 507 white people that have been killed by police officers. In comparison to that, 507, in comparison to that, there have been 271 black people that have been killed by police officers. So roughly half in a year and three months' time, roughly half the amount of black people have been killed by white, or by, by uh, have been killed versus the white people. And so if we're just going clearly off of, of color of skin, there's your statistics. Mm-hmm. It is more likely for me and Bryson to get shot and killed by a police officer than it is for someone who is of a darker color skin. Now, the bottom line is, in a year and three months, there have been 688 deaths, or I'm sorry, 678 deaths done by police officers. That's wrong. We shouldn't have that. Some of these are legitimate. We're not. We're, we're sort of giving a broad brush of what's happening here. Some of these may have been a legitimate. Uh, you know, someone was attacking a police officer, someone was high, someone was on drugs, and the only thing they could do was to self-defend themselves. Uh, but but Matt Walsh makes this statement. He said, um, of these 271 people of color that have been called out uh, by these, these killings, they all have a hashtag, and we all know their names. He said, what about the Ashley Babbitt that was killed at the Capitol by a police officer that was shot in the neck? 
He said there was there was very little media coverage that was given on her because she needed to be killed. So so why why are we having this agenda one way or another? Um, and then Rashid Talib um, has now saying that there needs to be no more police enforcement. It needs to be done. We need to go away with it. There doesn't need, okay. It gets me a little fired up because in the moment of lockdowns, in the moment of uh, when things should be shut down, okay, we saw a, I believe, if my numbers are correct, I may be wrong on the statistics, I've got a lot of things going through my mind right now, but I believe that Minneapolis, which is where this shooting happened at, saw a 300%, 300% increase in crime and homicides in the past year. Now, it is either one of two things. The police are saying, we can't do our job, so we're just not going to do it because we fear for the media outrage and the riots, and now we're seeing the increase in that. Or there have been so little police presence that everyone feels like they can get away with whatever they want to get away with. So, Bryson, what's your thoughts? Here's the thing. Okay, defunding the police has been proven to, to not work. That's defunding. Canceling the police... This is coming from a woman who constantly has security around her daily. She has more security than probably you or I will ever have in our life because she has people uh, fr- from from the the ser- service that is around her constantly protecting her, people that drive her around. She has no right to stand here and say these lies, these things that are just ridiculous. If she, let me just read you. The, did you read the tweet? I didn't. No. I'm sorry. I was looking at this trying to find it. Um, this is her tweet. It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Okay, that immediately is, is wrong. If that statement, what she's saying is true, then that would mean by, their, by her own theory that police are racist against white people based on the numbers, exactly. which is quite frankly not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never met a police officer that, that I felt, uh, you know, that, that was um, felt that way. Uh, she goes on to say that Dante Wright has met uh, was met with aggression and violence. I want to point out that one of the two police officers that was dealing with him was an African-American, African-American man himself. Um, so I don't understand how this could be racially motivated. Um, I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. Um, no more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Here's what we can reform if we're re- reforming government-funded murder. Let's get rid of the Planned Parenthoods that she's supporting. Come on. Let's get lit- rid of the abortion clinics that she and the rest of the Democratic Party have been supporting since the 1970s because that is, that is government-funded murder is that. It's not the police who are here to protect the lives which they are getting rid of and destroying and, and murdering, that's government-funded murder, is the abortion clinics and the Planned Parenthood. So she is a complete hypocrite and a complete disgrace to stand there and tweet that by being a keyboard warrior and going on her phone and saying that when she knows every bit of that is, is not true. I know the, the, she's not an idiot. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But the, the people who are um, who not idiots, but the people who, who just don't understand, they're, they're behind this lens that they can't see uh, through, and, they, and they, they see that, and they believe every word that she's saying, and they don't see the, the Planned Parenthoods and the places like that as a um, government-funded murder. That's the real government-funded murder. That's the real epidemic. That's the problem that we have in this country. Yeah, and I'm going to make a projection here, Bryson. If we see more House members 
and Congress members um, endorsing this defunding the police, no more police presence. Um, I see a projection of a massive turn in events in Washington. We saw the biggest, um, what the media never saw coming in the House this last year of I think it was like 10 or 12 seats that were turned from Democrat to Republican. Yeah, it's, it was a lot more. This was a historic election for conservatives so, so as far as a comeback. As far as the House-wise, we narrowed the gap um, to a almost a, even split in the House within, I mean, it's, it's a couple of seats. Uh, because a lot of those ones that were unseated were ones that were calling for this police regulation and this police defunding. And so I project that if we see more and more of this, we're going to see less and less of the Democrats in office because, uh, I mean, think about who you want to call when someone attacks your home, when someone attacks your family, if you're in a car accident. What do we teach our children in school? If mommy and daddy are having a problem, if, if mommy and daddy can't breathe, who do you call? Your city council member? You call your congressman? No, you call nine one one. I would so never the, call a congressman. So, uh, we don't teach them <laughs> to do that because we know that emergency management services are the frontline heroes that are going to help protect our families. They're going to protect our future, and so we—it's ingrained in us that these people are here to protect us. Mm-hmm. Think about it like this, Bryson. Let's say that that this police officer would have, let's say that she wouldn't have pulled any taser gun, anything. And this man would have gotten a vehicle and would have stolen this vehicle and would have went down the road and ran into a family that was riding down the street, husband, wife, new baby in the back, maybe a couple of kids, and would have hit them head on, whatever, and would have killed all five of these individuals in this vehicle. Do you know what the news media narrative would have been? Why didn't the police stop him? Yeah, exactly. So, it, so, it would have been covered as a tragic situation. So um, just a tragic I, I, situation had five minutes of coverage on the local news. It wouldn't have made a national level. And it would have been, why are the police not doing this? And they would have to do an interview with the police chief or whoever yeah. and see what they can do to, to prevent this. And they did today So what they now can I'm, do to prevent this. And I'm not saying they should have shot this man in the back. I'm not no. saying that. I'm saying they thought they were going to tase him to prevent him from doing something. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Would we have done something different? Absolutely. But we can't go back. What we can do is we can move forward. Uh, and it outrages me to the lowest extent, the highest extent, however you want to put it. Sorry, I, I misspoke on that. But to see people going out in Brooklyn and rioting and stealing footlocker shoes, uh, because a shooting of a, of a person and killing someone is a right to go out and to steal things. When has that ever been okay? The, if anything... You were doing a disservice to this man who was just killed because you're saying your life only meant a new pair of sneakers for me. That's what you're saying. Yep. So it's a tragic thing. And so what is the future of the police? Are we going to have police officers in the future? I really hope we do. Um, I don't see it going anywhere, uh, but I think it's just something that is a political ploy at the time. Bryson, what's your thoughts? I have something I want to show you, and I can't really show this because, I mean, we're speaking, and this isn't a television show, but this is a podcast. This is a, uh, a picture of a building oh. that has a banner that says, Racism has no place here. We support the black community. And this, uh, this is a business in Minneapolis. It's a black African-American-owned business, which had the, the glass busted out the front and was being looted by these riders. Tell me what problems they're solving um, by doing that. But... Um, 
so that goes back on what you were saying a minute ago. But as far as the future of the police, I think that, um, you know, with, with who we have in office, it's really hard to tell yeah. um, what, what the future, and it's kind of a scary thing. But as, as long as, uh, from my perspective, I think that um, you know, there's nothing wrong with more training in anything. No. Um, so, I, I, you know, if that's what... Um, I go to conferences every year to be a better pastor, to be a better leader, yeah. uh, to be a better husband. I go through trainings. I go through counseling because we should encourage that. Too many times we've looked down on those things. And people that go to counseling, we think they're weaker. No, people that, that go to counseling and go to seek help are, are people that are wanting to be stronger individuals. Yep. And so we should look for the future to be stronger, to be more training, to be a better uh, place for everyone. And police officers already uh, undergo an, oh an extensive yeah. amount of training. Um, but it makes you wonder in a city like Minneapolis where this happened, if you're defunding the police, if you can have the amount of training because you don't have the funding. So can you have that training to prevent situations like this? That's where the that's where the, the circle comes back around and it's like, okay, what We've got to do something. We've got to, uh, you know, they got to have have training. And I think that's the answer. Defunding the police will prevent them from having training, which could cre- possibly create more situations like this. This is a tragedy. Um, and and I, I hate how every time someone, someone loses their life, they talk about the race um, of that person. And, you know. But, because if, if you compare it. It doesn't hold. It doesn't hold anything if you compare yeah. it by yeah. the amount of deaths. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, we 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 think. It, I think it's a it's a it's a bad argument overall. And yeah. you know, think about it like this. Think about a business owner in Minneapolis right now, that Foot Locker owner um, or whoever it may be, who a year and a half ago when the riots happened, <laughs> or I'm sorry, the peaceful protests happened. Sorry, I misspoke there. Uh, oh, the man. peaceful protest we'll happened. And uh, they went through and they, they stole things. They destroyed businesses. And now a year and a half later, these, these people who have lived their whole life here and who this is their well-being have rebuilt their business, have yes. done everything they can do to now be contributing members of society. And now the same thing happens. There, there were pictures of the exact same buildings being destroyed from the very first rock peaceful protest. And uh, now they're being destroyed again. Think about that business owner now and how he's going to say, you know what, I'm done with it. I'm moving out of this place, and I'm going to go to somewhere where I can make a living for my family. Well, it, hurt, it hurts the place in general. That's it gonna, does. It destroys the economy because not, he's not going to be the only one. And, and it's sad because that Foot Locker owner, I mean, after what happened all last year, um, he, I mean, he's just got a new shipment of shoes, and now they're all getting took yeah. away again. So yeah. I would, uh, you know, I would, if, if I was him, I, I would come to, to a place – I'd come to a place that was, uh, I'd go to Texas. That's yeah. where I'd go. Well, you know, think about it like this. You've, you've all heard the statement, fool me once, shame on me. Oh, shame on you. Okay, they they, they built they burned my building down once. Okay, shame on you. Fool me twice, twice shame on me. Yep. And they're going to think twice before they rebuild that business, before they restart that business oh, there, yeah. and they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, so but- let's look at this next issue, Bryson. What are we going to talk about next? We felt like these two issues were, were really big news stories. They're really big right now, so we wanted to give them an extended period of time to talk about the future of the police and talk about the future of the Supreme Court. So, Bryson, what is this? Well, we're going to talk about the uh, the future of the Supreme Court. You know, you're, you're hearing things in the news about the want to pack the courts and change the courts, which, um, you know, we'll talk about packing the courts in a minute. But basically, we're just discussing the futures of the Supreme Court, you know, where it's going. We're going to uh, talk about a, uh, a release that they that they have uh, that we're going to read 
So uh, if yeah, I'll there was this uh, there was this historic uh, religious rights um, proclamation that was made in our courts just this past week on April 9th. And uh, what this was was uh, Ratish Tandem versus Gavin Newsom of California. Um, and they were saying there was an injunction relief. And uh, five of our Supreme Court justices voted for the Ratish Tandem. And uh, four of them voted against him and was for Gavin Newsom. So just that one vote caused this to pass and to cause this to give religious freedom. So we want to go through a couple of things um, of really what this this court action was and how it's going to affect the future of religious freedom, but also um, the frustration that we're going to see from the left of why this didn't get passed um, in their favor. And so uh, it would be the same frustration if this didn't get passed in, in the religious freedom behavior, we would be upset. And so we want to look at both sides uh, but ultimately, this was denying the, the Gavin Newsom had an executive order, um, and it denied meeting in houses with more than three families. And so um, in California, the ability to rent a building or to buy a building or to buy land is astronomically high. We just mentioned gas prices and how the gas tax was twice as much there. So you can imagine that twice the cost of living is going to be astronomically even higher. Mm-hmm. And so what people are doing, instead of starting a church and having a church in a building like we do here in rural North Carolina, they have a couple of people that just come to their house. Come, families come over, have a Bible study, have worship, and it's called a house church. And so Gavin Newsom not only banned people from meeting in churches, but he said you can't even meet in a house with other people from different families. Okay, so that was the ruling. That was what they were going against. Um, and so this, this ruling came down, and there were a couple of things. I'm going to, in our show notes, link the, the Supreme Court, um, the response, so you can read it for yourself. Uh, but the Ratish Tandem had made the statement that the government has a burden that has established um, the, the law to satisfy scrutiny, strict scrutiny on certain individuals. And what were those scrutinies? It says that California treats some comparable secular activities more favorably than at-home religious exercises, such as, and they give some examples here, permitting hair salons, retail stores, personal care services, movie theaters, private suites at sporting events, and concerts, indoor restauranting to bring together more than three households at a time. So, I mean, they were even saying that that they were even allowing indoor sporting events to have a suite where two or three or four families could come together in this suite, pay this money to come in there, and they could go there, but yet you couldn't have three families in your home. Um, and so then it goes down, and it says, the, and this was by um, Justice Gorsuch. He made this statement, This, and I think it's an amazing statement. He is he is uh, bringing out a statement that was brought out by Roberts versus Nice. Um, a, a court document that was um, a while back, and he says this, a state cannot assume the worst when people go to worship, but assume the best when people go to work. Mm. And so five people, five justices, this would be Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, uh, Barrett, and Thomas, all voted for Ratish Tandem to be able to have these house churches. Every vote matters in our Supreme Court. Uh, but then we see the dissenting view. We see that this was um, four, three, uh, I'm sorry, four of our justices. Um, it would have been Kagan, 
Bayer, and Sotomayor all voted, as well as Chief Justice Roberts, who all voted in the dissenting against this for the Gavin Newsom and State of California to be able to do it. And this was their statement. Okay, I want you to think closely about their thought process on why they voted for the state of California. They said that it wasn't a blanket statement. They weren't just restricting house churches. They were also restricting Boy Scouts of America. They were also restricting Pampered Chef and Mary Kay parties, and that these parties could not happen in homes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this and step out on a limb. The First Amendment does not guarantee freedom for the Boy Scouts of America. (laughs) It guarantees freedom for religious Freedom, religious liberties, not Boy Scouts of America, not Pampered Chef. Okay, so if you were comparing this to the First Amendment of religious freedom, okay, you're stretching the law, you're stretching what it's actually saying. Uh, so when we read this, that was their dissenting view, um, and they just had a two page little statement on that. But what I want to say that's really, um, that's really, uh, this I don't know, frustrating is that. Eight of these justices put their name to paper, but one of them didn't. And that was our Chief Justice Roberts. Okay? He voted against it. He was part of the dissenting majority or minority, but yet he wouldn't put his name on it. Okay? This is the Chief Justice that was put in there by uh, a Republican um, president, George Bush. Why was, he, why was he so ashamed to put his name on this? Everyone else put their name on it. Why didn't he? So, Bryson, what's your thoughts on this freedom ruling, um, and it's a huge religious freedom ruling. Uh, We are a Christian politics podcast, so we want to talk about some religion as well. So, Bryson, what's your thoughts? Well, um, Chief Chief Justice Roberts obviously didn't vote it. I feel like, you know, he doesn't like to, uh, I feel like he's just sort of laid back. He's in that Chief Justice position. He's making the 270 grand a year. He's just, you know, he, he likes it up there, and he doesn't want to, he's really not doing his job. Um, and I don't really know if you could ever say he really has has done his job. Um, I've never been been a fan of of him, but but I'm glad that this this passed. What scares me is that I believe things like this, uh, positive things and good things, will pass, and, and it's good. Uh, but the, the thing that scares me is when you move on to the conversation about packing the courts. And so when you pack the courts, obviously this can't happen because Biden will appoint all the justices. Um, so you'll have what. Ten justices now. How many do you have now? Nine? We have nine so right you, now. What would you have, like 18 or something? And, <laughs> well, uh, it depends on how many he wants to add. Yeah, you know, however, if, however many you add, but you would have uh, several. In, and if so he added one, it would be, you know, let's just say he added one for this ruling. We go from a 5-5, five, five, now we're split. How do you? So he's going to have to at least add two. Yeah, you have to have an uneven number. So you so would want 11, and I'm, it's not like we've never had that many. We've had more than, we've had 13, I believe, at one point. Yeah. So uh, but here's here's where here's where the hypocrisy comes in. It always comes in with these people um, on both ends. It's just Washington is full of hypocrisy. But in the in the eighties, nineteen eighty four, Joe Biden was uh, talking about the um, packing the courts and, and FDR, I believe. Uh, is that correct, FDR? And um, he said he said it, 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 what a horrible idea it was. You you can you can go back and you can look at just how ridiculous he said it was a horrible idea. He said it didn't work. He said it made things worse and chaotic. And the, this is his words. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate, the United States Congress, a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. 
It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Completely against it, and this is something he said in the 80s, you know, they're not going to show it unless, um, you know, you're, you're looking yourself. Um, but, I, you know, this is where, that's just where the hypocrisy comes in of, of you know, who's, who's really in charge here, who's, um, you know, he, he wants to pack the courts, but this is really just a, a liberal, radical left um, viewpoint that they want to, uh, to be able to, if, if they pack the courts, these people have, they have the White House, they have uh, all of Congress, basically, because when you have a split Congress, Congress the vice president will make the decisions. So um, with that said, you know, you have the Supreme Court then, then you have the, uh, the Congress and, and all of the White House, and you have a mess, and that's when the really radical policies and the true dangers uh, to our religious liberties and our First Amendment freedoms and rights uh, will really come in is if, it, is if something like that happens. Yeah, and, and we've just got to be really careful with this. Um, I think that Joe Biden has the vote in the Senate to be able to add, he's got the vote in the House to be able to add uh, Supreme Court nominees. It goes to the House and the Senate. Um, and as a president, he has the right to do that. Um, it hasn't been done for years, years, and not in my lifetime have we added more than nine. Um, and so it just it's a, it's a hard precedent to get by, and so we just got to be careful with that. And really, we just really, these two issues are huge, and they're huge with the future of our nation. Um, how we regulate things with our police, EMS, firefighters, how we regulate things is a day-to-day issue. And so we've got to be in prayer for this, for our EMS and our first responders, uh, but also our Supreme Court, man, how they regulate on a much higher level uh, can affect us really more in the future. Um, and in the, you know, you get down to, um, they start infringing on religious liberty. They start infringing on our Second Amendment gun rights. Uh, some of these things that are that are in our Constitution, that are our our founding fathers thought that it was right for us to have. And so we've got to be really careful with how we, uh, I mean, our nation was founded on a piece of paper, if you think about it like that. And a piece of paper that is 200 and some years old has held our nation together because we all agree that it is something that is vital to our country. And when mm-hmm. that becomes null and void, what has held our country together begins to have our country fall apart. Yep. And so we have got to get back to understanding that our Constitution is how we legislate, how we do a lot of things. And ultimately, all those principles that are in the Constitution came from the Bible. And so we've got to really get back to Bible-believing, people standing up for what is right, people standing up for what is good and godly, and calling out sin, calling out wrong for wrong. Uh, It was wrong for this police officer to kill this man. Uh, It's wrong for any person to take any life. And I believe that she'll be fired. I believe that she'll... Uh, probably sees time in prison uh, because of her actions. And so we need to hold people accountable. And that's really what it gets down to. If we can hold people accountable for their actions, that's when we start seeing change. Um, It's when people are able to go out and have peaceful protests and they don't get charged for it, uh, for breaking windows and destroying private property. Uh, That's when we're not holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got to be consistent. 
And I think that's when we'll see change happen. Bryson, any closing thoughts before we pray? I think we covered about everything. I think we talked about it all. And, uh, you know, I can't really think of anything. I think what's going on right now is just, you know, it's dangerous and destructive to our country. Um, and and it's, it's a complete um, difference of what you saw on January 6th with, with the riots at, at the, well, just the, you know, the, the, everything that happened in general at the Capitol. Um, you know, the, those that was the worst riot in American history, and then yeah, and then we go and we burn down all of these cities and and all of these government buildings within the cities, and uh, you know it, it's it's fighting for change. But um, you know that's really all the thoughts that I have. I think we uh, talked about it all pretty Great. much. So. All right, well let's pray for our country tonight. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the blessings that you've given us as a nation. I pray that you help us as Christians to stand up for what's right. Pray that you will see things be done and in orderly and fashion and we know you're in control we know that everything happens for a reason whether it's good or bad we know that it happens for a reason so we thank you father for what you've done in your name we pray amen all right that's the show that's all we got for you i hope you enjoyed it as always if you like the show and you like what you hear leave us a, a like and, and a rating and a review and follow us on all forms of social media hit us up on our email which is five by productions at gmail.com as always we check our inbox We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to hear from you. So uh, send that. Send us an audio message on Anchor. In other words, just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by FYBY. If you enjoyed the content, please leave a rating or review. And check out our Facebook page for more content.